Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Indie Talk Podcast. I am your host, Paul Martinez, and what we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about uh, Ring of Honor TV. We're going to look a little bit at Ring of Honor Global Wars pay-per-view, which was the pay-per-view highlighting the uh, stars of New Japan Pro Wrestling, and also Lucha Underground, uh, episode 30, I believe this is. As we march closer to the end of season one, so uh, three three shows to get to, so that's a lot, especially when one's a pay per view. So we're gonna get right into it because uh, it's a lot of content to go over today. Okay, so we're gonna start by bringing on the TV. This is from May sixteenth, the opening match, Adam Page versus ACH. Of course, this is stemming from uh, they've had a little bit of uh, a, I guess a feud you could call it. Go dating back a couple of shows now where uh, Adam Page cut a promo on HGH and the decades seem to have targeted him for some reason. And uh, here's a one-on-one where fellow decade, well, really decade leader, B.J. Whitmer was not ringside. Neither was uh, Kobe Carino, the young boy. So it was just Adam Page on his own versus HGH. And uh, HGH is in control most of the way here. Page does fight back. He gets a near fall for power slam. Uh, really, both guys were getting in some really nice offense in this match. Page was hitting a Larry for a two count. At this point, Adam really has ACH on the ropes uh, as the match progressed. Uh, ACH tries to rally, but he gets hit with a low blow outside of the view of the referee. And Page rolls him up and wins. Three stars, a really good match. I was really impressed with Adam Page. Uh, I mean, I've seen Adam Page around. I just haven't really seen, in my opinion, him a chance to really shine in a match. And I thought he did that here. After a cocky Adam offers a handshake, ACH instead attacks him, uh, starts to beat him down. They all everybody comes out to break it up. ACH tries to dive out at him, but Page runs away, and ACH wants to take it out security men as Adam Page uh, runs frantically to the back. Uh, so, good good match, and uh, this might be the beginning of something good for Adam Page. And then our main event, as again, we only have two matches on this episode of Ring of Honor, which has been the norm as of late. And this one, huh, some main event, the Briscoes versus War Machine. Of course, the Briscoes, Mark, and the world champion, Jay Briscoe, War Machine, consisting of Ray Rowe and Hanson. And this is a knockdown, drag out, plain fight. War Machine really remind me of the World Warriors, but like with more agility. I really, really am impressed the more I see War Machine in the ring. Uh, they get the heat on Mark for a bit. He comes back, he tags in Jay. The Briscoes start to seize momentum for a while. Then War Machine come back at one point, and it seems like this match has been going on a while, and all of a sudden, all four men after beating the crap out of one another, go nose-to-nose in the center of the ring, and the crowd gives a standing ovation, and it's on again. (laughs) Total mayhem. War Machine sets up to hit Jay with the fallout, but Mark stops it. Uh, Then the Briscoes look for the Doomsday device, but they can't uh, hit it. War Machine do uh, execute a double choke slam on Jay, and almost give the champ his first pinfall loss in over two years. 
but he does get that shoulder up. Mark uh, winds up on the outside hitting a hot shot on Ray Rowe on the steel railing. A little later, War Machine tries to hit Jay with the fallout again, but he counters and Hanson gets knocked to the floor. Briscoe's hit Doom Device on Rowe, but the momentum Rowe continues to to Rowe continues to roll out under the ropes to avoid being pinned. But as he falls to the floor, Mark follows up quickly with a blockbuster from the apron to the floor. That pretty much takes the both of them out of the match. In the ring, Jay hits the J-Driller on Hanson, but Hanson kicks out of the J-Driller. Crowd in shock at this, as was Jay. Uh, Jay sucks it up. He hits three sick boots to the face. Then another J-Driller. This time, Hanson can't kick out. Wow, that was a complete war. Four stars, outstanding match. I really thought they were going to War Machine go over here with Mark doing the job, as usual when the Briscoes seem to team up. But uh, I, as much as I like War Machine, I kind of liked it to let the world champ go over here and not let Mark wind up jobbing, uh, as he seems to do most of the time. So a uh, really good show, again, as usual. Two matches, nothing in the way of skits, nothing really in the way of interviews. There was a little commercial for the Jay Leto uh, DVD, which was kind of funny with him and Truth Martini, but uh, that's it. No interviews, no segments, no nothing. Ring of Honor continues to be that's a show to watch wrestling matches. And speaking of Ring of Honor, we're going to continue right along here. We're going to continue with Ring of Honor Global Wars. This was the third match, the third show or since day of the New Japan Invasion Tour, uh, but this was the one that was an eye pay per view. I was mistaken. I thought. All three were going to be an eye pay-per-view, and it turned out only this one was. And uh, the opening match of this show was Silas Young teaming up with Wantanabe. I'm sorry. Can you get that one out? And uh, they are facing Gato and Moose. Now, for those who don't listen to the New Japan Pro Wrestling's uh, podcast of mine, goes by Strong Style Wrestling Podcast. Uh, for those who don't know, Gato is the booker of New Japan Pro Wrestling, as well as the manager of Kazuka Oza, uh, Okada. Sorry, I'm uh, goofing up a lot of guys' names today. And uh, anyway, Gato, like I said, he's the lead booker in New Japan and also the manager of Okada. So they really pushed a lot the announcers of was Gato trying to maybe work a little with Moose, maybe try to guide Moose in a certain way, and we're kind of teasing that maybe this was a ploy by Gato to uh, steal the talent of Moose away from Vader Scott. I don't think anything's going to come of that. I just thought it was interesting that the announcers went there with it. A very standard stuff early on. Silas doing his, you know, tough man routine. He misses his head in springboard moonsault splash, which is, I should say, his headstand. Springboard boost salt splash, which is one of my favorite moves of his. Watanabe wants him catching Moose with a German suplex. He can't hold him down. Moose hits him with his signature lariat. Uh, goes for the spear, but eats a knee from Watanabe. Uh, but Young does a blind tag and uh, talks trash to his partner. And then, of course, gets speared by Moose. One, two, three. Two stars. Meh. 
Uh, after the match, Sidus clotheslines Watanabe. Of course, as he's got to blame somebody for losing the match. Really, nothing to talk about here. Just, you know, mixed tag type of opener. Our next match, though, Chris Sabin versus Kyle O'Reilly versus Kushida. This originally was just supposed to be Sabin versus Kushida, but because Bobby Fish did not make the trip to Canada where this took place, the Kyle O'Reilly couldn't be in the tag match later on at night, so Kyle O'Reilly was injected into this match. Lots of action here. At one point, Kushida gets put in the Tree of Woe. Saban hits a basement drop kick. Then Kyle charges and is given an over-the-head, belly-to-belly into the still-hung-up Kushida, uh, which is a very nice spot. Later, Kyle gets Kushida in a rope-top arm breaker, but gets super kicked to the face while doing it by Saban. A lot more action goes on here. Kushida winds up hitting his, if you've watched him in New Japan, it's kind of a signature move of his. He hits an O'Connor roll German suplex combo on two men. And uh, he does that to his two opponents here, getting a two count on both. Kyle wants to get a near fall on Kushida with a regal suplex. Really nicely done. And then we got a great sequence where O'Reilly hits Axis Smash on Saban. Kushida hits the Nomo on Kyle. Then Kyle hits a double pendulum lariat on both Kushida and Chris Saban. Kyle is trying to get the arm breaker on Saban in the center of the ring. While that's uh, happening, Kushida nails him with a moonsault. Kushida gets Saban in the arm lock. He taps. 3.5 stars. Great match. Fans really loved Kushida. If you're not familiar with him, he is, in my opinion, I mean, the, the junior champ in New Japan currently is Kenny Omega, who's pretty good. To me, the writing is on the wall there that they're slowly building to him versus Kushida, who I think is the best junior in, in the promotion. Uh, he is really good, Kushida. Young guy, former MMA guy, who's really, really uh, taken to professional wrestling in a great way. And uh, he's a guy, you know, you're looking about young guys in Japan you don't know uh, that, you know, maybe you want to try to look out for. I would definitely tell you Kushida is one. Our next match, the Kingdom, who are the IWGP Tag Team Champions. And they defend those titles against Jushin Thunder Liger and Matt Seidel. Very standard tag match. At one point, Jushin gets both members of, of the Kingdom, as well as his partner out on the floor. And he looks for a dive. But Maria jumps on the apron and stops him. She starts gyrating her um, assets at Liger, who is enthralled. Uh, well, honestly, so was I. Then starts motorboating him. Um, if you don't know what that means, Google it. So I can say. Um, he comes up from air and is double super kicked by the kingdom. Seidel winds up coming in to take down both of the champs. He goes up for the shooting star on Bennett, but when he dies, he is super kicked out of the air by Taven. They hit the spike power driver, and it's all over. Two stars. Okay, nothing special. I really am starting digging the kingdom's whole act, though. I know there's a lot of the internet wrestling community is still very anti-kingdom, but I, I've turned the corner on them. 
I love their theme music. And Taven, as most people would do agree, is really good. The hate is for Bennett. But I think his, I think in a tag team, we see Bennett's strong points and his weak points are hidden. And so I, I really think as a tag team, Bennett shines. And uh, I, again, I just really think the kingdom turned the corner for me. I, if they split them up, I don't know if I would feel the same way. But as a team, especially with Maria at the top, I just like the whole way that the whole thing works. Okay, our next match was one I was kind of interested in seeing. I won't say hype for, but I was interested. And that was Cedric Alexander versus Kazuka Okada. The match was going on. Okada drop kicks Cedric from the top rope to the floor, which is just... Again, if you don't watch New Japan Pro Wrestling, this is one of his signature spots. And when he does this, the lights go out. I wasn't sure what was going on. Was it like like actual technical difficulties? Was somebody running out? I wasn't sure what was happening. But they, when they return, Okada has Cedric hooked and delivers an elevated DDT from the apron to the floor. Okada controls for a bit, but Cedric comes back here to jumping roundhouse kick. It sends Okada to the floor. Cedric hits a crazy flipping dive. Lights go out again. Seems like every time somebody did a big spot on the floor, the lights went out. I don't think they were tripping a wire out there or something. They do return as Cedric hits a springboard lariat into the ring. Michinoku driver by Cedric gets a near fall. Okada comes back with some big moves, including a diving European uppercut for a two count. Hits the flying elbow from the top and strikes his pose for the Rainmaker. But Cedric ducks the Rainmaker and hits a springboard DDT. Okada comes back, hits heavy rain for two. Cedric blocks the tombstone attempt, hits kick the kill part two. And I thought for the first time, the crowd... Thought maybe Cedric could win because for the most part they weren't really very into this match at all. He hits his three corner drop kicks, covers Okada kicks out. Really though, that's for that one moment that the car perked up, but they're dead again at this point. Really, no one believes for an instant that Cedric is winning this match. Cedric hits his uh, running up the buckle roundhouse kick right to the grill. Very nice spot. Okada winds up catching with a beautiful drop kick, then a tombstone. He hits the Rainmaker, which the crowd does pop for that. And, uh, that's it. One, two, three. Gave it three stars. It really should have been a lot more, but the dead crowd really hurt this match a lot. I have gone on record as saying that crowd reaction is going to make a difference in my rating of a match. And uh, when, I, when the crowd is really hot, it could give the match a, a, a whole point bump. Really, um, depending. And if a crowd is dead, it's going to hurt it. And this was a lot better match technically than the three stars says it was. Like I said, the crowd just... This was a match where Cedric is not in a spot, in my opinion, and I guess the crowd's opinion too, to be in a one-on-one match against Okada unless you're putting him over. Because Okada's maybe the biggest star in all Japan, and Cedric is a mid-carder, in the midst of a huge losing streak. Who in the world is buying uh, that he's coming out of this with a win? After the match, Okada breaks character. You know, tries to shake Alexander's hand, but Cedric snubs him. 
as his slow heel turn continues. Our next match, a three-way tag match. It was supposed to be a four-way tag match. As I said earlier, Bobby Fish uh, was not able to get into Canada for whatever reason. And so it's now a three-way tag match. It's Rapongi Vice, The Addiction, who of course are the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions, and The Decade, which is BJ Whitmer and Adam Page. RPG Vice uh, looking really good here early. Some dirty tricks by Kazarian kind of turned the tide for a bit. Decade gets a little offense. Page hits some kind of shooting star shoulder block out on the floor. It's which I guess looked cool, yet unnecessary at the same time. Rocky wants to get in and doing his series of corner lariats to the addiction. And follows with a double clothesline on both of them. Crowd still likes Rocky. Rocky Romero always seems to get a good reaction from the crowd, whether it be Japan or Ring of Honor. Of course, a veteran and not the worker he was 10 years ago, but uh, still, still very popular. And then the match just starts to get out of control as uh, everyone's running in the ring. Tags are not really becoming much of a an issue anymore. Soon everyone is down. Rapungi Vice winds up hitting their finisher, which is like a Betty the Back spike pile driver, I guess, on Page. But Kazarian uh, steals the pin for the victory. Three stars, I gave it. It was a fun match. I, I don't want to use used the word sloppy. It was a good match, a fun match, but it wasn't the most technical match you're gonna see. The next match actually we go we went to uh intermission after this. And when we come back, it's ACH versus Suzuki Nakamura. This is the match that most people, including myself, uh mostly wanted to see. A lot of comedy early as Suzuki Nakamura can be silly sometimes with his uh, little theatrics and Michael Jackson type things and ACH uh, played along with it. But I thought it went on a little bit too long. But once the match started, they kind of got away from that. Uh, Nakamura really lays in a lot of knee strikes in the midsection of ACH and which throughout the match, you kind of see ACH constantly reaching for his midsection. So a couple of those might have landed a little harder than he thought they would. ACX at one point hits a Stone Cold Stutter, which of course winds up getting a Stone Cold chant. He then hits that diving through the ropes, swinging DDT that he does. I don't know what name he calls it, but he hits it in the survivor match he's in. Then goes up to the top rope, hits a double stomp to the back of Nakamura. He covers for a two count. ACH winds up hitting the Jordan dive out on Nakamura, which is still one of the most spectacular dives uh, being done today. ACH rolls him in the ring, goes for the 450, but misses. Catches a Beaumaier to the back of the head, uh, two count. Nakamura just pounces on him, inverted suplex, hits another fierce Beaumaier to end it. I gave this... Gave us three and a half stars. I, I don't know. I might have. It was a good match. Not a great match. A very good match. But um, it was right there. I was really. I was happy yet disappointed at the same time. I guess it was a good match. And both guys showed a lot. But I really expected this to possibly be like a four, four and a half star match. And it never really got there. 
I never really felt ACH had, you know, was going to win this or really push Nakamura past, past the edge. You know what I mean? Still, it was a good match, and I can't really complain about it. Next match, Jay Lethal defending the Ring of Honor TV Championship against Tetsa Naito. Uh, this match is really action-packed. Jay winds up going for the lethal injection. It's blocked, but he's able instead to counter to a lethal combination. Goes up, hits the hail to the king flying elbow for a near fall. He trades uh, kicks, ending with a rolling capo kick from Naito. Both men are down. Slowly, they go back to battle. Dijak, who's ringside as part of... Uh, actually, 214, he was not here at the show, but uh, Donovan Dijak was. He grabs Naito's leg. Ref catches him, tosses him, you know, to go to the back. And while Dijak is arguing as he's caught with a baseball slide by Naito, which sends him right into the railing. Naito then hits a top of Frankensteiner for a two count. Lethal comes back, tries another lethal injection, but he's caught into a bridging German for another near fall. The crowd is really liking this match. Naito goes up, winds up missing the Stardust press attempt. They wind up training a couple of near falls, and then out of nowhere, Jay hits the lethal injection. One, two, three, he retains. Three and a half stars. Very good match. Both of these guys really delivered. At this point, I would probably say at this point, this was match of the night. And there's only two more matches to go. The next one, Michael Elgin versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. Tanahashi, of course, a legend in Japan. He is, I believe, one the last three years wrestler of the year. He's a wrestling observer. So, uh, if you've never seen Tanahashi wrestle, this should be a pleasure. He's not the same. He's dealing with a lot of injuries. I heard he had a great match with Roderick Strong on his tour. And uh, he had a good match here. Elgin does use his power early on to try to control Tanahashi. Kind of really slow going. Elgin does hit an impressive deadlift bridging German for a two count with the crowd pop for. Elgin later hits his Rainmaker elbow, which is a really nice move. But uh, Tanahashi kicks out of that. They wind up battling on the floor. Tanahashi wound up hitting a high fly flow out on the floor. High fly flow being a frog smash. Again, if you're not familiar with the New Japan guys. Tanahashi gets him, rolls him back into the ring. Hits a high fly flow to the back of Elgin. Then rolls him over. Goes up again. But this time, Mike gets his knees up when he does the move. Elgin hits a buckle bomb, but Tanahashi bounds right out of it with his sling blade clothesline. Goes up again, high fly flow, gets the win. Like, very slow start to this match, but once it got going, it was really, really excellent. I'll give it three and a half stars, and it would have been a four-star match if, like, you know, the first five minutes were not what really seemed to be almost sleepwalking. But uh, the last ten, excellent, excellent. And it's time for our main event. The Bullet Club, which is consisting of uh, IWGP champion AJ Styles, the IWGP Junior Tag Team Champions, the Young Bucks, and the former IWGP Tag Team Champions, Carl Machine Gun Anderson and Doc Gallows. They are all teaming up to face the Ring of Honor All-Stars, which are 
the tag team of War Machine, Roderick Strong, Mark Briscoe, and the ROH Heavyweight Champion, Jay Briscoe. Very pro Bullet Club crowd. Everybody, all, mem- all five members of the Bullet Club got individual chants, plus a chant for the group as a whole. Kind of strange, but uh, the Bullet Club is a phenomenon. Both sides get the heat for a bit, but then, of course, as you can imagine, a match like this, it's all going to break down. Bodies are flying everywhere. Hanson, at one point, takes a five-man super kick for the Bullet Club, then takes 450 splashes from the Young Bucks and AJ Styles, but he still kicks out, which really seems to be Hanson's almost gimmick at this point, is he could take a tremendous amount of punishment and still kick out. Later, Hanson hits a top rope cannibal dive out to everyone, which the crowd popped for. A little after that, Strong winds up hitting top rope superplexes on Matt Jackson, AJ Styles, and Carl Anderson in a row. He tries to do it with the gallows, but Nick Jackson stops him. So he does a top rope superplex on Nick from the you know top rope to the outside of the ring on top of everyone. Amazing. This match gets so insane, I can't even keep up with the action. But, you know, the finish is Matt Jackson taking a J-Driller from Jay and a Froggy Bowl from Mark to give the Ring of Honor All-Stars the victory in this crazy match. Absolutely match of the night. Four stars. You guys know, I you should know, I don't love these multi-person tag affairs. But this was awesome. Not everyone got a chance to shine. I really thought we didn't see a lot of Jay. We didn't see a lot of Ray Rowe, and uh, we saw very little of Carl Anderson. But still, for what we did see, a lot of guys worked really hard this match, and especially Roderick Strong and Hanson, who, in my opinion, really carried the match. Young Bucks and AJ, as always, were great. After the match, Jay and AJ meet center ring, and they shake hands. And then both get laid out with belt shots from Jay Lethal. And uh, that's how the show closes with Jay Lethal standing center ring, raising his title belt high. Overall, a very good, but not spectacular show. Still more than enjoyable. And uh, definitely something, uh, if you haven't watched, it would be a good watch. If you're a fan of New Japan, guys, it's a good watch. And if you're not a fan of New Japan, guys, Maybe a better watch because you get to see some of the biggest stars in all of uh, Japan today. Okay, let's move on to Lucha Underground. This is episode 30. This aired May 20th. It opens right up in the ring as Marty the Moth Martinez. Uh, You remember us talking about him. That's Matt from Tough Enough, his uh, geeky gimmick. He's facing Prince Puma in a non-title match. The match starts, and before anything can happen, Marty hugs Puma and asks him if he could take a photo with him, uh, you know, have people in the crowd take photos of them together. So Puma buys into this. He does this and, uh, you know, poses with Marty. And when he does that, Marty just turns and looks at him with this funny look and clotheslines the crap out of him. <laughs> I love this guy already. 
They battle for a while. Puma hits the copter bomb. The 630 splash. Puma gets the win. Two stars. Um, it wasn't a total squash. And uh, probably gets another half a star bump for Marty's uh, little heel turn there. I, I guess you could call it. At the start of the match. After the match, Hernandez, who is the number one contender now for the Lucha Underground Championship, he comes to the top of the stairs. Kone cuts a promo Hernandez and tells him if he wants his shot, he can slide into the ring and take it now. Puma seemed okay with this as he put the belt right down at his feet and told him, come on. Hernandez walks down the steps halfway and then thinks better of it and declines and uh, walks back out. Then it's time for one of my favorite segments, which is the sit-down with Vampiro. This time his guest is Johnny Mundo. Okay, wow. <laughs> Johnny, after really being goaded by Vampiro, finally reveals that he's pissed that he's been here main eventing from day one. Alberto El Patron just shows up. Everyone's uh, basically kissing his ass. And so Johnny made a statement to everyone that he is the man here. And this reminds everybody, not Alberto, not anybody else, Johnny Mundo, this is his house. And then as he says that, he looks to the camera and says, but you already knew that. And accompanies that with the wink, which is a classic Alberto uh, thing from the WWE days. This segment gets five stars, outstanding. Vampiro was freaking awesome as always. And Mundo, in my opinion, may be the best promo I've ever heard him give. Not yelling, not excited, not angry. Very low-key, matter-of-fact. I think Johnny may have got his latched onto something with the heel turn here and his heel character. Really, I, I have watched John Morrison in WWE for many years. And, I mean, to put a mic in his hand was... Suicide, really. And he just cut a great promo here. Again, if you want to hear about these segments, they're giving a lot of takes. They're heavily scripted. So I'm sure that helped them. But, hey, whatever it takes, it, it delivered. I, I love this segment. Totally love this segment. Okay, we're back into the ring. And Delavar Davari is back with... <laughs> I don't know, this guy always is in the ring with, like, a shot of, like, uh, Johnny Walker. <laughs> don't know what that's about. Uh, he's facing Tejano again. This time Tejano was able to control himself to react to get a bell rings before he decides to tear into him. Brutal fight, back and forth, but at one point Tejano looks like he's going to start to take control, and Big Rick shows up. He attacks Tejano. He and Davari take him apart, and uh, it's obvious for the announcers and even for mannerisms for both guys that uh, he's been paid off by uh, Davari. To be his muscle. Davari winds up getting his glass of whiskey. That he had in the corner. Takes another sip. And covers Tejano. As Rick forces the ref to count to three. Which he does. But the match officially was a DQ. I guess he just wanted the visual pin. Two stars. Really wasn't much of a match. It was a little bit of a brawl before they broke it up. With the interference. We're in Dario's office now. And he seems... Very uneasy, anxious, maybe a little angry. Not really sure why, doesn't talk. Then out of nowhere, Katrina appears. And she, she wants to give him a sacrifice. It should be Phoenix. 
in a death match. Dario agrees. Katrina disappears into the ether. Uh, strange segment. Usually I hate supernatural stuff, but as I've said many times, this show is not trying to be real. It's a fictional TV show. They are in no way, shape, or form of trying to pretend that professional wrestling is real. That's why I love this show. It's so above the curve. We're not going to sit here and tell fans who say, Oh, wrestling is fake, but no, we're going to pretend it's real. They're saying, No, you're right. It's fake. It's a TV show, and that's what we're going to make it, a TV show. So in that case, I'm still not loving the supernatural stuff, but I don't hate it as I usually would. Now we get another segment with Black Lotus as she's leaving the place that she's been training. And we hear her voice narrating a letter that she wrote to the man in the green mask. A door opens and someone says, if you don't want her to die, you will need my help. It gets clear that it's Chavo Guerrero. Then it switches and they're sitting down for a drink. Chavo's basically telling the green mask guy that you have a lot of pull in Mexico and I want you to clear my debt with Mexico as if you remember back in the day uh, because of what he did the Blue Demon the streets of Mexico had greenlit Chavo which is why he disappeared going to hiding and he tells him if you do this if you clear that and, and get me and get the green taken off my head I will protect Black Lotus and uh, Chavo tells him like my, like sees my familiar, and so the guy in the green mask agrees, and uh, I guess we'll be seeing Chavo back, I guess as the side of a baby face trying to help Black Lotus. Then it's our main event. The crew facing Angelico, Ivelisse, the son of Havoc. Of course, they are the trio's champions in a ladder match for the trio's championships. This is all crew. Um, Ivelisse gets decked early on by a stiff shot from Bale. There's another spot outside of a ladder in which Son of Havoc seems to have twisted his ankle. As he's coming up lame. And it's like Angelico uh, is fighting the other three by himself. He fights hard. Uh, does some really nice offense. But the numbers game gets to him eventually. But the crew, instead of just trying to win the match, as they had all three of them pretty much dotted out, were more focused on destroying the champions. And uh, it, it just becomes mayhem. And at one point, Cisco pulls off the wooden planks from Dario's still broken window from last uh, week. And he beats Angelica with the plank. You see Dario inside trying to have a phone conversation. And like half curious as to what the hell is going on. <laughs> they wind up setting two tables on the outside and lay, they uh, lie Angelica on it. As Cisco starts to climb a ladder that they set up outside Dario's office. But Angelico gets up, tilts the ladder back. Cisco falls right through the broken window into Quinto's office. And <laughs> as he's still on the phone, having a conversation, yet amused. At what seems to be happening. And then the match really takes off. Total craziness. Uh, Angelico winds up on Dario's roof. He gets laid out up there by uh, a bunch of cane shots from Cortez Castro. Cisco winds up getting dropped to a table. 
Havoc hits a shooting star press on Bale, who was lying on the table, but it doesn't break. But both men are down and blow out the ring. Everyone is down but Castro, who sets up a ladder. He starts to climb it. But Angelico runs in, runs, I should say, and hits a missile drop stick, drop kick from Dario's roof and nails Castro. I'm sorry for my language, but the only fitting words are, holy shit. This guy is the daredevil of professional wrestling. The crowd became completely unglued. I rewinded this five times. Not only was it crazy, but the precision to hit this perfectly is astonishing. I mean, he literally does a running, running leap off Dario's roof, hits a flying dropkick. He must have flew... I don't know, 20 feet through the air and lands a perfect drop kick on Castro climbing a ladder. Unbelievable. Then, you know, I kind of called this to myself before the match. Everybody's out. The only one who's not out is Ivelisse. And she slowly, with a broken angle, climbs the ladder, gets the belt. The emotion from the crowd is overwhelming. This is the absolute best story arc going anywhere in the business today. Uh, actually, Ivelisse almost seemed to be genuinely touched by the moment. I know I was. I'm giving this four and a half stars. I don't care what anyone else says. That's my rating. The Again, I will tell you, when a crowd is as insane as they are for this storyline, it's going to make the match better in my eyes. It was a great, it wasn't a great back and forth match. But it was a great booked match. And uh, that's why it's getting the ranking that it is. They showed Dario in his office before they signed off with a look of total disbelief. Like, how in the hell do these guys keep winning? And uh, credits roll, and that's the show. Wow, another great, great job by Lucha Underground. They are just hitting on all cylinders. Ring of Honor really is too, to be honest. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. I know it's a little bit longer show than usual. There's a lot of stuff to kind of cram in there today. And uh, we will be back this week. Uh, we will be looking at uh, probably Evolve as well as another Ring of Honor show. And uh, look for also on Storytelling Style Podcast. We'll be talking about the uh, best of the Super Junior Tournament, which is taking place in New Japan right now. You know, just look, keep looking out for it. There's a lot. A lot of content for us to go over. A lot of great indie stuff. I'm going to be here to bring it to you. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye.